This is Dale Jr., and you're listening to Dirty Mo Radio. So we were button heads. I mean, we did a, a, quite a bit in the first few races, <laughs> to the point that Childress called a meeting in his office with the two of us. And I knew, coming out of that meeting, that I was going to have to be the one that's going to have to do something. Oh, yeah. Call, <laughs> you're going to have to go away. I don't, think, I don't think that Dale's going anywhere. Welcome to Kelly Earnhardt Miller's Fast Lane Family, presented by Wella Professionals. Salon care products that you can experience with your senses. Get high performance you can see, touch, and sense. Welcome to Fastlane Family. We're going to keep our trend rolling here with a Fox Sports analyst joining the show today. Mr. Andy Petrie is here. We've got a lot to talk about and more than just a television career. A whole lot more Earnhardt stories and racing career and a whole bunch of stuff. And then stick around later for our well professional tip on the perfect undone updo. All right, Andy. It's raining outside today, so you didn't helicopter in. No, Today I couldn't bring the chopper down. in and uh, <laughs> had a hard time actually finding the, the building on the surface. I was went down a couple dead-end streets here in the in the, uh, uh, in the park. Yeah, it's been a while since you've been here. You were just saying that you you, you installed our pull-down rig. Yeah, there. we did that yeah. uh, quite a few years ago, and that was the last time I was actually here. So yeah. it's good to come back and see you guys. It's hard to believe that uh, that was probably 2007-ish because we've been here that long. Yeah, so. I think I actually put one in at the first At the building. old shop? Yeah. The, <laughs> 2006. The temporary, the t- temporary building, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, good. Well, good to have you. Got a lot to catch up on. Hadn't seen you in quite some time. You grew up in Hickory, just right up the street here. And I read you got involved in racing kind of through... Del Jarrett, is that right? Well, I mean, actually, I grew up in Hickory, or just which, not far from there, Newt, North Carolina, right yep. behind the track, uh, four or five miles away. And I, I got introduced to the sport through my, my uncle, who took okay. me when I was just a, um, 11, 12 years old. And I was hooked from the very beginning. Did your family, did anybody race no. or work on cars or nothing, just no. enjoyed the sport at that time? My grandfather was a Chevrolet dealer in town, mm-hmm. and I grew up uh, around cars, obviously, around him. And he was, like I said, the one in Newton, North Carolina, and it's it's ironic that that I know. I want you to tell that story. <laughs> uh, it it is now Dale Earnhardt Chevrolet. Yeah. And my grandfather, I remember going in his office at the original Newsom Cross Chevrolet that was in downtown Newton, and he was designing and building that building that is on Highway 16 where Dale Earnhardt Chevrolet is today, and I remember him actually drawing that out by hand on his desk. So when my dad bought that, the building and all that was there, which is still there, it's just kind of upfitted now, that was the building that he designed? Yes, the the showroom, the the main building is the one that I'm talking about. Now, they built the collision center on after that and some other other structures, but that particular building was uh, was designed and built by my grandfather, Placey Newsom. That's that's a cool story, just kind of full circle, (laughs) full circle stuff. So how did you get involved in actually, you know, working on cars and and kind of in the garage of of racing? I've always been mechanically inclined. I was obsessed with cars and I was just in you know elementary school and and it kind of <laughs> it affected my education some because <laughs> I just all I ever thought about was was cars and then when my uncle took me to a race I, I was okay I, I can still remember it. I, I went to Hickory Speedway this past weekend and watched the the, the late cars models. race yep. yep and the super late models and Josh Berry won the late model part of that watched him he did did a great job but you know when I went to that race I was like I can't believe this is happening in my backyard my god I, I was hooked from the from that from then on. I couldn't figure out, you know, I, I was going to figure out some way to do that for a living or some way to just for the rest of my life. I wanted to race. That's it. That's all I ever really wanted to do. And so, I, I've, I convinced a friend of mine, Jimmy Newsom, to to partner Jimmy. with me to build a race car, and, <laughs> and uh, we started with that with no money and begging for everything we could. And we finally get to a point where we 
you can see the end. We've almost got this thing built. Uh, we built it kind of from the ground up. It was, you know, obviously wasn't a very pretty, <laughs> pretty thing, but we, you know, it, it taught us a lot about how to how to race. How to get because, it done. Yeah, because we built it from the ground up. <laughs> Dale comes along and wants to be the driver. He's a friend of ours from high school. And he was an athlete, golfer, baseball, football. Uh, just didn't imagine him going into to driving at that time. But he did. It's what he wanted to do. So how old was he then? He was uh, he's a couple years older than me. I, I was think I was 17. He might have been 19 at so the time. So y'all were getting out of school yeah. on the verge of that. Yeah. And so and so he I, had not raced prior to no, that, Del Jarrett? never, never yeah. sat in a car. Yeah. And I, I was dead against it. I mean, I wanted to be the driver. <laughs> I, mean, I wasn't just building this thing to watch somebody else drive it. And uh, I've told this story many times, and, and Dale and I still laugh about it today because we're still close friends. I just didn't want to do that. And it turned out that it was the only way we could get the car on the track because he was going to supply enough funding to get a motor to build for it. And, and Even back it. in those days, yep. he's supplying the funding. Yep. That's right. He had to bring <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he did. if he didn't bring the sponsor, he wasn't getting the ride. Much smaller scale, but yeah. still but, the same. But so that's how that, that developed uh, and how we started together, and it really kind of set our career path from there. Uh, Dale is a driver and, and a great career. What a you know what a tremendous career he's had. Yeah, and uh, and me as a crew chief. So I know I have no regrets, but I, I I was really disappointed I didn't get to drive that first car. Well, you got to drive later in life. I did. Yeah. I, I got to dabble a little bit in the driving end of it. Uh, did being there at watching the late models give you that itch? Yeah. That oh is yeah, kinda... it did. It did. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, especially when you go to Hickory. Once a racer, always a racer. That's I don't right. think it leaves you. Yeah, I saw Dennis Setzer there. That's kind of funny. He was there with his son, and they sat on the pole and set a new track record for the super late models. And we were catching up on things because we raced together mm -hmm. there, and we were, we were. I raced with Dennis Setzer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and I went to high school with Dennis. Uh -huh. And he still looks just like he did in high school. And I'm like, you know, I, I know you're helping your son and you're all into that, but do you never, do you not get the itch to get out there and do it again? He's, he's like, you know, not really. He, he says politically correct things. Like, I want to <laughs> do my son, you know, do the best I can for my son. We don't want to spend any money on anything else but yeah. that. And, and I said, yeah, but don't you think he could still do it? He probably could. I know he could. Yeah. You know, yeah. when, uh, when I raced late models in my 20s, uh, Pete Silva. Yeah. You know, Max Presswood, Dexter Kline, oh, yeah. all I've those guys. All those. Yeah, I know. I've raced against you, I think. I'm surprised that – I think we I did. Think, yeah. And I'm, su I'm surprised <laughs> that they're still not going. I mean, Pete Silva, got. I think he was 90 then, you know. <laughs> but, um, yeah. yeah. I had a lot of fun racing with Pete. It was. That's the one thing that I like going to Hickory, going up there to watch Late Model 2 and uh, just seeing – you see Dexter Knipe with his son, you know. Yeah, there's I so much. There's just Dennis, so much he, uh, history and heritage there. Yes. Uh, I remember seeing your dad. That's the first time I ever saw him race was at Hickory Speedway. And so many of the greats have come through that track. Yes. And and it's such a difficult place to win and race on still today that, that the, the winners that come out of that track go on to do great things. And, yeah. Uh, I think it's still that way today. I mean, you see Josh Berry doing well over there. I think he's got a bright, bright future ahead of him. and. Uh, Cole Tim won the uh, championship yep. there. So these are kids and, and guys to watch going forward. Yep, definitely. The biggest difference is just seeing their age, and they're so much younger than when we were doing it. Oh, I you know. Know? There, I there mean. was one guy <laughs> up there that I know. I couldn't, I can't recall his name right offhand, but he's got his son there racing uh, in some kind of late model truck series. He's 12 years old. Yeah. I was like, you know what, 12 years old was the first time I walked into the track and I got to watch him race. I know, you see her talk about Dale Jarrett yeah. being 19 and yeah. that never raced oh, a car. Oh, yeah. You know? That was, uh, it was yeah. rare that you see young Young people get a chance to drive. So I asked different. Dennis Setzer uh, when he started, and he said he was 16 when he started, yeah. uh, which was very, very young yeah, back then. So different. And I've had some people on talking about, you know, needing a license, 
Um, even Steve, I think, said at Park they fudged his age because you had to be 16 to drive. You yeah. know, now NASCAR they're they waved all that earlier yeah. and earlier and earlier. <laughs> no need to have a license; just come on in. So you got the break to um, work with Harry Gant. How did that happen? And you guys uh, had a lot of success. Yeah, a lot of things transpired before that. You know, the thing with Dale Jarrett, uh, we we did that for a couple of years in limited sportsman local stuff and then finally got a break his uh dead jarrett did something for me in 1981 he went out on limb uh, and talked to one of his good friends junior johnson to get me an opportunity to change tires and be on a big time pit crew he might have fudged the truth a little bit to get me that spot but <laughs> it worked out and I, i'm forever in debt to him for that but yeah i did that for a season i was daryl walter for your tire changer in 1981 when he he won the championship wow and we got to go to new york the first time that we ever uh celebrated the championship <laughs> in new york i got to go and then after that, um, they went a different direction with their team, and so I didn't have that job, and, and I went to work for Johnny Hayes. And he was uh, running Phil Parsons, in a, which was called the Budweiser Tour. It was the first name of the Bush Series oh, okay. the first year. Gosh. Yep. I'm thinking 81. I'm only nine, well, so this is I'm 82. trying to – Okay, We're well, okay, about, I'm 10. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to so, think about okay, this. Okay, <laughs> I was only 13, but no. <laughs> but anyway. a few years older than me. So, uh, so we do that thing. I worked for Phil on that as a kind of a part-time basis, and then it turned into a full-time job with Benny Parsons driving in in the Cup Series and Leo gosh, Jackson. Gosh. Yeah, and I was on that team as a mechanic and pit crew. Uh, and then, you know, I was Phil's crew chief. I was the first named crew chief for Phil Parsons in 1988, and we won the Talladega race that year. And then in, uh, in 89 is when we started the, the deal with Harry Gant up in Asheville. I moved to Asheville. That was where Leo Jackson had a home and lived there, wanted to have a shop there. And we formed that team there, and we had some really good success with a small small group of guys, but uh, very hardworking and very forward-thinking back then. We had a lot of things that we introduced to the sport that uh, we were first on. And, you know, some of the things like the, the when we won the races in 91, we'd stumbled on a little trick where we were cambering rear, the rear tires, which nobody had done up to that point. And so we did a lot of that, and that's what, that's kind of what got me – on the map, so to speak, as a crew chief, uh, working with Harry Gant. I was Gant. working with Harry Gant, Mr. September at the time. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. What brought you to crew chief at RCR in 93 from Leo and Harry's organization? Well, I mean, the success we were having. Uh, we had won the most races in 91. So what was going on with my dad then, 92? Well, he won the championship in 91. Okay, 91. And then 92 yep. was a, a really off year for, for him. I yep. think they finished 12th in points and only won once which uh, is, is a terrible year when you talk about <laughs> Dylan Arnold. And uh, we were having pretty good success. We'd won five races in 91, and we won uh, uh, a couple in 92. And you know, like I said, we were doing a lot of, uh, of innovative things. Yeah. And I, it kind of got the attention of Richard and Dale because Kurt Shelmerdine had retired, Oh, basically. yeah, that's right. Okay. He just announced yep. he was going to retire as a crew chief, and they were looking for somebody. And uh, so there was, there was some interest on their side. But I was happy. I, I had a great job. I was working for one of the best men in the sport. Leo Jackson, like a, he was like a father to me. And how and, much interaction had you had with my dad at that point? Not a lot. Just, I mean, yeah. we'd see each other. Wondered. Yeah, I mean, in the garage, just yeah. acquaintance, yeah. basically. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't really know him. Yeah. And so they reached out to me to consider taking this job. And I was like, yeah, you know, I'm really happy where I am. But, you know, when, when, they, when Dale Earnhardt calls <laughs> – you got to think about it, you know. And I, and some people, I had whispers saying, He's you know. He's pretty, pretty um, persuading, intimidating. Yeah, <laughs> but, but people were, some people would say that, 
hey, you know, his best years are behind him. He's he's already won these championships. He'd won what five championships. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, maybe you six, know, seven. You know, 80s, you might be yeah. going at the wrong time. Yeah, and I, yeah. And I considered that for about ten seconds, <laughs> and I go, you know what, that guy's not done winning. And so I did. A, I agreed to, to the interview, and here's the impression that was made on me. I go down there on Sunday in the off season. We just finished the season. The very next weekend, I go down there on Sunday, meet with Richard. I'd set it up uh, for just after lunch. And I pull in the parking lot. Obviously, they're not working on Sunday. But there's two cars there. And I go walking in to Richard's office, and there sits Richard and Dale. Dale had driven to the shop on Sunday to meet with me. That made a big impression on me, that he was that took interested. That yeah, yeah, that yeah. To, to talk about this. Yeah. So we sit around the table, and, um, and we talk about what our – uh, philosophies are in racing and and, uh, and mine was to win a championship and it, it certainly lined up with theirs <laughs> because that's all they were about and uh, so that's where we decided to, I walked out of that room I said I'm going to do this and I, I, I know that I, I have to turn my back on a great opportunity that with Leo Jackson because he's been so good to me but I just have to do this for me. And was he really supportive? No. You know, no, not at all. <laughs> I well, didn't know if you had that relationship, no, that kind of father well, figure relationship. Did, what he, I what say is. that. I mean, he, he did not want me to leave. And, but he understood. He yeah, did. I mean, yeah. in the end. And uh, he had to do what he had to do and, and to keep his team going and, and successful. And I, he knew that I had to do what I have to do. Uh, that, that changed a few years later when I came back. But, I mean, the years I spent with RCR – uh, were, were wonderful. I mean, and you we went won- in there, you won two championships. Yeah, we won the championship first year. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and we won second year. Yeah. And we almost won it the third year. <laughs> oh, so gosh. it was it was really great. And, and uh, you know, the, we didn't, your dad and I didn't have instant chemistry. No. I don't know if you know that. No, I don't. No, I want you to tell me about yeah. it. <laughs> we're, we're a lot alike. Well, that's what I, I'm sitting here thinking in my mind, man, the personalities. I yeah. mean, because I've known you through the years. Yeah. And, and, yeah. Yeah. I just, yeah. It wasn't I instant. I see some headbutting. Yep. <laughs> exactly how, that's the way it happened and i get there uh and not much time to prepare cars and ch- you know really I, I was just plugged in as the crew chief and didn't you know like i said you only had just a few weeks basically to yeah. go to daytona and yeah start because the back season. then you're testing and all the things yeah you're, you're testing all yeah. the time yeah and, yeah and so we do that we go to daytona and don't really have a good rapport yet uh, but it doesn't matter because it's Daytona and it's Dale Earnhardt, so it doesn't matter. We're gonna do, we won everything, <laughs> you know, <laughs> except for the 500. We lost it on the last what couple laps to Dale Jarrett. Yep. Okay. But uh, so we leave there. We go to Rockingham, and I'm trying to understand his his uh, his lingo and how he explains the car. It was really weird. It, the whole time at at Daytona, he was telling me the car was neutral. It's neutral, and, and I knew there was something weird about the way he was saying it, but I didn't quite get it. And, you know, neutral to me is the car's not pushing, it's not loose, it's, well, that's not what he, that's not the way he looked at it. <laughs> what was neutral because to Because we get to, we get to Rockingham, <laughs> I'm sitting on the truck, now I can really see the car. We're practicing, he's out there, and he comes off turn four, and he'd been telling me the car was neutral. Well, I see him come off turn four, and the right rear tire's smoking, he's sideways. And I'm like, dang. I said, Dale, I thought you said you were neutral. He said, I told you I was. I said, you look dead sideways to me. He said, yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> neutral. I was like, oh, that's what neutral means. Okay, now, so that helps a little bit. Now so what's we, loose mean, tight yeah. mean? So it took us, a, you can understand just from that, it took us a little while to understand each other. Also, he he was used to a little bit different interaction with the crew chief than it was the way I was used to. So we were button heads. I mean, we did a, a, quite a bit in the first few races <laughs> to the point that 
Childress called a meeting in his office with the two of us. And I knew coming out of that meeting that I was going to have to be the one that's going to have to, to change. do something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're going to yeah, I, don't think, I don't think that Dale's going anywhere. So, uh, but, he, but Richard said, we need to try to figure out a way to bond. You guys got to start bonding. Well, you know your dad. He starts making <laughs> jokes about that. And so he said, okay, Richard, we got this. We'll start bonding. It's going to work out, you know. So he grabs me, you know, around the neck. We walk out of the office. He said, now, he said, we're going to start bonding this week. <laughs> this week. Oh, yeah. This week we're going to start bonding. He says, so we're going to Darlington. He, you're going to go to dinner with me and Teresa, and we're going to do this, da, da, da. I said, all right, I'm, I'm in. We get to Darlington, and it was a challenging weekend because the tires were were barely good enough. And we we qualified wherever. I don't even know. But so Saturday Never morning, go off qualifying. Nah. <laughs> it was terrible. But I told that. Dale, he calls me, says, we're going to this restaurant. Meet me here. We're going to go. So we go. He sits me right beside him at dinner. We're bonded, right? <laughs> you holding hands so I, yet? <laughs> well, so I use that as an opportunity to, to really have some conversation with him. I said, look, tomorrow we're going to go about this practice different than we would normally go because of the tire. I said, we're going to run some long runs, and we're going to try to figure out where the breaking point is on this tire and try to extend it uh, and everything we can in practice to do that. And so he didn't really like the idea of, of running right front till it blows out. <laughs> <laughs> Which, or running but it would give you warning. It would give you warning. So we did it. Uh, we ran 30 laps or so. Tire gives a little trouble. We put another set of tires on, make a change. We run another long run, extend it about 35 laps. We do that a few times. And we ran the most laps of anyone in practice, ran through every, almost all the tires we had. But we had figured some things out. And so we end up winning the race on Sunday. And he pulls in Victor Lane, and, I, and I, was, I was waiting on him. And I look at him, he's got that big grin with that mustache, and I reach in the window, I said, that's how it's done. And he's like, so we, we were on the same page then, and he had confidence in me. And so I think that was a big turning point in our relationship. And set the rest of the year on how many races did you go, guys going to we win? We won six that lot. year. Yeah. 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 And we, you know, a lot of other ones we should have, could have yeah. won, but it was a lot of fun racing with him. So you guys ended up being really good friends. Yeah, you, we did. I mean... Yeah, like I said, we went on trips together. Yeah, spent we did. Vacations together, and I think he appreciated. You know how your dad was. He, he, he like he would try to impose his will and bulldoze you at any time. But if you stood up to him, he respected. Yeah, you. yeah. And so he, he respected me for standing up to him. And it happened more than once that that I had to do that. <laughs> but but we we understood each other real well, and we got along great. Uh, away from the track, he's such a different person, and we had you know he's such a He's a real loving person. Yeah. You, would, you, you had a big heart. He did. Yeah. I mean, he, yeah. he he was a great host. We would go spend time, like I said, in the, on his boat. And him and Teresa were such, you know, gracious hosts and hostess to, to us. And and uh, we always had a ball with them. <laughs> and then when, when did when did you and Patty get married? Was that about in we that got time married frame? In, yeah, we got married in 1995. Uh, so it was 94 when I met her and uh, at the track. <laughs> And Dale tried to be, he actually acted like a little bit of a matchmaker. Uh -oh. Yeah, oh yeah, it was kind of funny. I won't go into that whole thing. but <laughs> That could either help or hurt you, I don't yeah. know. We talked about that with Steve and, and his wife Jessica and some of the tormenting that yeah. Dad did. Yeah, I didn't need his yeah. help on that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he thought I did. Yeah, he was definitely a jokester. Did he ever play any tricks on you, pranks or anything? Yeah, I mean, it was always something. You were probably in the era there of a lot of the pranking, like with Rusty and things yeah, like that. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was pulling yeah. a lot of that nonsense. Yeah. I tried yeah. to stay away from that because I didn't want it to <laughs> spill over into my to my side. And so when you when you left there in '95, what was going on then? Well, what happened was is we were having tremendous success. Uh, Gordon beat us for the championship by just a few points in '95, but 
I really felt like we were in a good place. We we were in a position to win a couple more championships. But an opportunity came along for me uh, through Leo Jackson again. He wanted to retire, and he wanted somebody to take his team over. And uh, and it, it presented me with a, an opportunity that I would not, I would never have any other way to be a team owner in the sport. And I had really mixed emotions about it. because, And if I have any regrets in my career, it's that I didn't get to spend another year or two with, with Dale because I think we could have done some great Once things. Once some more. Yep. <laughs> and, uh, but this is, it, that opportunity was in front of me at that point, and I had to make a decision. I did it. And, I, you know, I look back on it. I say I don't, I don't have regrets. I don't really because it, being an, ha- having the opportunity to be an owner yeah. and then winning races as an owner was very gratifying for me and it's uh you know it's it's it's, it's given me a, a great life i've really enjoyed that that was seven years i've been able to do that and uh what do you see because you're involved in the sport now kind of as difference of the opportunity that you had to be a team owner and that kind of that barrier of entry now and how it was different then what were some differences about yeah, that and it was actually because there was a lot of i mean at that time yeah. A lot of different people were owning teams. Drivers were owning teams. Different yeah, things you have, you have the big have guys that, that dominate now, <laughs> yeah. obviously. Yeah. And it was going that way then. Yeah. And that's why I recognize that as a tremendous opportunity. And uh, you don't see it anymore. Ray got it. You know, Ray Ray kind of Ray Everham got the same opportunity I mm-hmm. did a few years later. But it's just got to the point where it, this sport, the, the money is so big and the stakes are so high that that you know you're not you just can't rise from the bottom to the top like that anymore. You basically have to have some other means of yeah. wealth yeah. <laughs> besides yeah. trying yeah. to be an owner in yeah. NASCAR. Yeah. So it was a uh, it was a unique opportunity. Well, you had a, a good run as a car owner. You uh, got your first win. Was that two thousand one? Yep. I think. Yep. And uh, at Talladega with with Bobby Hamilton. Yep. 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 And uh, that same car Kenny Wallace drove the year before. At Talladega. When he finished second? Yep. Okay, so yeah. So talk about that because that's been a big story oh, yeah. with Talladega happening a few weeks ago. Lots of comments there. What's your side of that and version of that? I thought it was funny. Obviously, Kenny talked about how, you know, he saw my dad coming up and he didn't realize that Joe Nemechek, different car colors, was his was oh, his teammate. Whatever. I mean, <laughs> same, the car was that color the Dale's whole weekend. And story is going about how he was scared to – to do what he wanted to do because of fear of my father and what he was going to say. So what's your version yeah. of how all that went down? Well, my version was <laughs> I wanted to beat him bad. I mean, really bad. You bad. know, you can't imagine how bad I, I wanted bad. to. So I'm, I'm on one of the pit boxes. I can't remember which. And I have both radio channels. And I've got Joe on one of them. And I'm, ta- I'm, ho- I'm, I'm hollering on the radio to Joe to push Kenny, push Kenny. Push. I didn't want Kenny to pull out and not have help from Joe. Right. Because I know Joe wanted to win, too, you know. And I could just see him hanging Kenny out. <laughs> but I wanted the best shot we had was for both of them to gang up on him, you know. And so let's give a little bit of a backstory here. Because what led up to to the success that you saw on the racetrack, especially the restrictor plate tracks from RCR, from DEI, and from APR, was that we had combined to, to do an alliance, an aero alliance. It was called Rad Aerodynamics. It was re- Richard, Andy, and Dale. Yep. And we were, every single thing we did on the aerodynamic side, we shared, and we did a uh, focused effort. And uh, it really paid off, especially those restrictor plate races, because if you look at the results, I don't think anybody else but those three teams won for a while. And so we had really, really good cars. We sat on the pole for that race with Joe in the 33, 
and then here we come at the end, and we're the three cars that are fighting it out for the win. But I, I was screaming for Kenny or for for Joe to push. I wasn't really saying anything to Kenny because I knew he would make the move. Yeah, I, I thought he would. <laughs> but he didn't. But he didn't. I mean, <laughs> he decided to stick with Dale. Maybe you should have screamed at him. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, it was it was a great win for for your dad. And yeah. Who who would have ever thought it was his last one? Not, yeah. Not me. Yeah. Yeah, Kenny. That that story. It's just it's been fun to listen to it. And <laughs> get yeah, I don't even want to hear it. I mean, he keeps talking about the different color. <laughs> I mean, it was that color all week. <laughs> Come on. He just couldn't think that fast on yeah. Sunday, I guess. Yeah, maybe I should have been on his channel instead of Joe's. Yeah, I think you might have should have been hollering at him. <laughs> So let's see. What I else. love Kitty. He was a lot of fun to race with too. Oh and, gosh, and, you and had he some great. great personalities. And really, he was, he was really, really good at restrictor plate yeah. racing. I yeah. mean, he he must have learned some things from Dale because he was good at it. Bobby was a a hoot too. Bobby Hamilton. Yeah, I really liked yeah. him. He was. He you was know, and, and that's funny you bring that up. So that was that car that Kenny drove. Uh, the next very next race is the April race at Talladega, which which Bobby won in that car. And Bobby told me after the race that he learned something in that race that Dale won. He was driving the Kodak car that year, and he watched Dale do some things. As he, you know, he pulled went from 18th or whatever. Yeah. To, he saw how he did it. Yeah, it was a little trick that he was using, and he figured it out uh-huh. and used it. Uh huh. That's how that yep, happened. Yep. Your dad taught him that trick. <laughs> That's awesome. To me, talking to you guys, like I was. I mean, now I pay so much more attention to things, you know. Mm-hmm. But I mean, back in those days, I mean, I was a kid. I mean, I was in my twenties. Everything's but, kind know, of a blur back then. Well, right? yeah, and you're you're because you're doing your thing. You're 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 looking at your own career, you know, and things that are going on. So you're just focused in a different area area than I was paying attention to what Dad was doing. Yeah, you know. Yeah, no, I and, didn't get uh, to see you much back yeah. then. But I mean, I was in my twenties. I was, yeah. you know, ninety. Let's see, four. I was twenty. I was late model racing. Yeah, ninety four, mm-hmm. five, and six. Going to college and working at Sports Image full time. Yeah. So I hardly ever went to the races very often at all. Yeah, I've probably seen you more when you were a team owner <laughs> <laughs> probably, <yeah>. in those days. <laughs> I'll tell you one, of the f- one fun thing that I got to do, and uh, it's really special, is I got to drive your dad's Xfinity car, which was a Bush car then. That's on here, yeah. Yeah. Yep, so talk about that. Yeah, that was yeah. really cool. I mean, it was Yeah, because I want to know how that transpired, yeah. how that took place. So, so we're at Martinsville. We've got a brand new car uh, that we were testing up there, and... We were ha- we were it had trouble the year before with gear uh, the the rear gear had broken and so we we changed the way we were doing that and we were using new ones uh, and breaking in new ones for the race at Martinsville uh, in this test session and it was a procedure you had to go out and run it slow and then you had to let it rest for a minute then you have to go out and run it fast you know Dale had no patience for that kind of stuff and he goes you just I tell you what you just do it you know I don't want to drive I don't you know you just do it you just get in the car and do it. And I said, okay. So, you know, having a little bit of experience racing, I had actually raced at Martinsville before. But so I get out there and I run those slow laps and come in, and then have to let it sit for a second. Then I go back out and and uh, and run what's called the fast laps. And I and your dad was running about I don't know, let's say twenty one flats, and I I went out there and ran about twenty two flat. Went out there just running the hard the hard laps mm-hmm. and come in, and he starts making fun of me. <laughs> and you had to do two, you had to run five laps and then cool and then run five more hard ones. So when I come in, your dad starts making fun of me for running slow, running a second slower than him. I said, I don't want to tear up a brand new car. We've got a brand new car here, and I'm not, you know. And it's, uh, he's just he's making fun he's of me. He's just egging you on. Yeah. yeah. So I go out the next lap, and I run. The next session, I ran 2110. I was only a tenth <laughs> off of it. <laughs> so he was like, wow, you can, you know, you, can, you actually can drive pretty good here. I said, yeah, I mean, I've run a little bit here. 
And so after that, I told him, I said, you need to let me drive your bush car at Martinsville sometime. And so I kept aggravating about it. And he finally says, okay, if we have a good lead in the points after Charlotte, it was an off weekend, and that was the Martinsville weekend, I'll let you drive my bush car. So if you guys had a good lead in the cup, on yeah, the cup side. Yeah, on the cup side. Because okay, gotcha. he didn't want it to be a big distraction. Yeah, yeah, up after. yeah. Well, we ended up getting a, a big lead in the points. We gained a bunch of points at Charlotte, and we were pitted at the number one pit, or, or one or two down towards the turn one. And when the race is over, we didn't win, so I'm trying to get to the garage area because you know what happens when the race is over and he doesn't win. Yeah. He's gone. Yeah. Quick. And yeah. so I'm in a dead run all the way back to the truck to make sure I see him before he leaves. <laughs> and I said, okay, we got a big lead in the points. I said, I'm coming tomorrow to get that car. He said, all right. So I go up to your you know, your dad's shop there was the old, uh, what do they call it, the old deer, deer head, head shop. Deer head shop, yeah. <laughs> so I go in there, and he's got the car sitting there that they had taken to Richmond earlier in the year. And Dale actually missed a race up there. They, you know, he didn't make the field. They had a big, huge field of cars. I don't know what happened, but he didn't make it. But he had that car. And I said, oh, great. I get to take a car to Martinsville that Dale Earnhardt missed a race at Richmond in. <laughs> 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 and uh, it's kind of funny because I, I told him, I said, well, i got to take it to the shop and work on it this week. I've got to put brake ducts in it, and then I've got to change the seat because I had one of those old banjo seats like he liked. And he says, okay, stop, stop, stop. You're not going to put brake ducts in my nose. You're not going to cut holes in it. Because you're not going to make the field. And so I don't want you going up there cutting my car up. <laughs> so I said, okay, so I'll cut them after I make the field. He said, yeah. <laughs> so then he says, you're not changing the seat either. I said, what? I said, I've got to run this car with that seat. He said, yeah. He said, I've got the seat I run. You, you'll have to run in that seat if you're going to drive this car. Oh, my gosh. He's okay. making it hard for you. Yeah. Seeing if you're going to just turn it down. Yeah. So I did it. I went up there with no brake ducts in the banjo seat. And how'd <laughs> made, you do? Well, I made the field. I qualified. Uh, towards the back half of the field but i made the field and so i cut the holes and made the brake ducts <laughs> finished uh, i think 16th uh, i think 16th where i finished 16th or 17th and it was 300 lap race and it's the only race i'd run in probably three or four Forever. years yeah Did he give you a hard time yeah oh yeah because i banged up the body a little bit on it okay like that, okay, like that wasn't gonna happen at i banged it up a lot <laughs> you banged it up a lot yeah. <laughs> now you can admit but I did it finish. <laughs> <laughs> now you can admit it what made you close up your cup team? Well, I, I walked out to the mailbox one morning, and there was no sponsorship check. There was their check. Yeah, <laughs> I said, said, "Well, oh, I guess this is the end of this. I guess this is your sign." <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I saw it coming for a while. It, it, we had it's hard, great, isn't it? It is it's hard. hard. We had great sponsors. We yep. had uh, Skull in the beginning, and uh, they had a great history and heritage in the sport. Yep. They had gotten to politically where they couldn't continue, so we we got Oakwood Homes. And they were great. They were a great sponsor, but they were in very difficult times. And uh, we, from the moment we signed a contract with them, they were struggling financially. Yeah. Uh, but they honored every single letter of the commitment to me for two years. And uh, like I said, we, you know, we had Joe Nemechek take over for Kenny Schrader, who was in the Skull Car before. We won a race uh, in our final season with that. Um, and then Square D, we had them for what three or four years with Kenny Wallace and Bobby Hamilton. But they, they wanted to go a different direction, and they wanted to spend less money than they were spending. And, and the, the way it was going in the sport, I needed more than they were yeah, spending to be right. competitive. I know how that goes. So, <laughs> so we'd come to a crossroads there, and uh, they decided to just do the truck racing with Bobby. And, uh, I, you know, I, after that happened, I was like, okay, I need to back up and try to figure out how to still participate. We, uh, we looked for some other deals. We came up on uh, this deal with Paul Menard. He was just a new racer that hadn't been out there yet. 
and I didn't know the Menards people that well, or the brand. I mean, I'd seen it, but mm-hmm. I, you know, they're mostly Midwest. Right. We're, you know, Southeast. We don't see them here. Yeah. And so my general manager at the time, Steve Barkdahl, he's out there trying to put these deals together and, uh, and, and really hustling. And he comes to me with this, and he says, I can put a deal together with Paul Menard and do some ARCA and some uh, some Bush and Truck Series races and maybe even a cup race or two here or there and uh, and keep this thing going. I said, okay. I said, you know, and it'll be Menard sponsored. <laughs> You'll love this story. And I said, well, I don't really know these, you know, Menards. I don't, can you check them out and see, you know, who they what are? What they're about. Yeah, because <laughs> I don't want to sign a contract yeah. with somebody I don't really know. Yeah. And so... He said, I'll check them out. I'll check them out good, and I'll let you know. The next day, I just got off the treadmill to shop. We have a gym up front. I'm walking back through the building talking to some of the guys, and Steve hollers across the room. He says, hey, he says, do you know how many people there are in the world? And I was like, okay, <laughs> I'll play your trivia game. How many? He says, at the time, it was $6 billion. <laughs> I said, okay. He said, 37 of them have more money than John Menard. Oh he said, that's what I found out. That's what he found out. <laughs> I guess at the time he was 38th richest man in the world or Six something. So I said, well, you know, it turns out that'll work. <laughs> Check that box. Yeah, so we did a we did a deal with them for um, for for that year, and then we 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 got into the nationwide deal at, at, after that with Paul, and we were struggling some, and you know, it's really difficult to take a two car cup team and reduce it down to. Uh, just just an Xfinity program or Nationwide or, or Bush, what it was, I guess, then. Yep. It was very difficult, and we were struggling with that. Uh, we'd lost a lot of the good people we had to better, you know, the bigger teams. So the Menard people felt like it would be better if they took it somewhere else, and they took it to DEI. And, uh, and Paul went there. No hard feelings at all with them. I really have a great relationship with both yeah. of them today. Uh, but that was it. I mean, I, I was. it was time to... Decide, you know, just do something. Let's let's (laughs) let's do something different. I basically retired after that, and uh, and sold all my stuff at auction, and and sold. Yeah, a lot of your stuff started. What's what started KHI? Yep, it was. It was uh, the numbers. You know, the thirty-three numbers kind of went over to KHI. I don't know where how they where they wound up now, but yeah, RCR. RCR still got the the thirty-three. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I I retired for a couple of years, and. uh, it was a really good time in my life. At this point, I was going to say, you got a little, you, at this point in your life, yeah. you, you have a big girl now. You had a little girl. Yeah. <laughs> she was uh, she was five or six years old then yep. and, and starting to get into softball and sports. And, you know, it's just, it, it was a good time to be spending time with yeah. her. Yeah. We had a really good couple of years there of that. So what led to getting back involved in NASCAR in your TV analyst role? Well, uh, like I said, it, life was good. We, my, my daughter, Johnny is playing softball and now playing some basketball, volleyball stuff. And uh, I was actually uh, out on a tractor working on some of the property I had and I came back to the shop and I had a Jeff Swans, a guy that still works with me. He's up in the building and he says, uh, somebody called, here's a message. I don't know if they're selling magazines or what. It's, it says ESPN on it. I, I, mean, I don't know who it is. And, uh, <laughs> and yeah, he didn't know. He, he's like, I don't know who it was. It might have been just some kind of marketing call. I don't know, but here's the number. Well, I called the number, and it happened to be Jill Fredrickson, the coordinating producer for ESPN, and their NASCAR coverage, which they had just won the contract for. The bid for, for. yep, yep. And I wanted to know if I was interested to be an, uh, an analyst. And I never even thought about that. And it kind of hit me a little. I was like, I don't know. I mean, I'm pretty happy 
doing what I'm doing yeah, or, or yeah. not doing what I'm doing. Yeah, it's not doing anything or, or yeah. having to do anything. We, well, when we say that, that I was say. not going to the races, but yeah. we were still building these uh, suspension test rigs. Uh, all the major teams have them. We were doing, that was the heyday for that. We had built about 33 of those over those couple of years. Uh, so I was busy with that, but I wasn't going to the races. So I thought about it a little while. And they gave me an opportunity to do an audition. I liked it. I thought, well, I'll try this. I really enjoy the sport. I'm a fan. I, I mean, I love it. I watch it still. Every Everything that's on TV, I watch it. So we did that, and I enjoyed it. They thought I did a decent job, and they hired me as a as a booth analyst. Well, that's what you're still doing today. Yeah, well. Now you're in a different capacity. Yeah, way different role. Yeah, I mean, yeah. this, you know, I was a, a lead analyst in the booth for eight years for the ESPN yep. with great people. Uh, Doc, Dr. Jerry Punch was the one I worked with in the beginning, and Dale Jarrett, Rusty Wallace. Uh, you know, Marty Reed was the, one of the play-by-play guys. And then Alan Bestwick, in my opinion, the best that's ever done it. He's just he's so good to work with. But that ran out when he, when NBC decided they wanted NASCAR more than ESPN, then that was the end of that. Um, Fox gave me a, an opportunity to stay involved and to be a rules analyst for them in the first half of the year. And uh, we did that. And it's, you know, I mean, it, it, it was, I enjoy it. The people at Fox are great, it, although it was taking a bit of a step back. Yeah. Um, but I really enjoyed it, and I hope to stay involved in in the TV side of it, uh, at least in a limited role, somewhere or another, because I enjoy it. Yeah. I, I really enjoy the sport. So you you travel to the, all the races for that in that capacity? I did that Under in the Fox. first half. I'm yeah. not sure that yeah. we'll do that in the second Under half. Or, I mean, the, the next year in the first half. Gotcha. We'll see. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen next year. How yet. it plays out. Yeah. So then what are you doing to fill your time? Well, I've got a lot of things going on. I was at—I told you earlier today—I was at Hickory over the weekend. Yes. Uh, there's a young female driver from Canada that I'm doing a little consulting work for, uh, and hopefully she can get a break and and move up the line. And we're doing that. I've got uh, some new some new products that I'm working on, some development stuff uh, to come along after our success in the pull down rigs, and and uh, this is the next thing in that in the series of that. Uh, now, how do you? I, I'm going to assume that's Technology-wise, yes, it is. Yeah. Some, mm-hmm. So, so how do you yourself stay close to that? Well, I mean, because I, you know, I, I obviously have relationships with everyone out there that has the, our rigs. They're in all the major shops, and I'm, you know, that's what gets what keeps me going. The yeah. technical side of the sports, what yeah. I love. Yeah. I love building things, making things better, uh, finding ways within the rules yeah. <laughs> to, to to make things better, and and what and tools to make it to to find out. And these are. That's how I did that suspension rig. Some of that stuff. Yep. And so that's how I stay on in, involved in it. Just the relationships yep. and, mm-hmm. and that kind of thing, kind of fostering those. What else you got going on? So you got that. Yeah. Did your daughter just start a college? She Is did. That right? Yeah. She's playing softball at Presbyterian College. Nice. Yeah. Nice. And she's she's doing so well. She's a great student. Uh, straight A's in high school and, and playing three sports and just she's a real inspiration. Now, what does she want to do? Does she know what she wants to do? Yeah, I think she... You know, at this point in your life, you don't really know, but she yeah, thinks I she think we should do life backwards personally. Yeah. But, <laughs> but I think she wants to be an attorney, actually. I think oh, she's nice. studying, yeah, she may study pre law, and awesome. we'll see. And then you and Patty, you guys do anything for fun, traveling? Well, we, you know, we've we've had a lot of fun raising Johnny, <laughs> but, but now she's in college, so we're trying to figure it that out. That job's almost over. <laughs> yeah, well, it's not over, but it's, it's definitely changed. We're spending a little, more, little time. Uh, we were in Florida. We got a little condo down there in Florida. We were down there for a couple couple of weeks she's yeah i had to come like back staring at each other like hey what yeah. do we do now <laughs> yeah i had to come back i'm usually the one that stays down there but oh yeah i had to come back this week early for some things i had to do and she stayed down another week so she's coming back today oh gotcha 
So um, you have a plane and a helicopter, Avid Pilot. When did you get into to that and get your license? Yeah, I was uh, I was on a treadmill and just doing a. a you do a lot of treadmills. I do. You still I run, treadmill. I run every day. <laughs> I run every day on Good treadmill. Good for you. Yeah, but it makes you. Th- you always think about it's, things yeah. when you're on treadmill. My thinking happens in the shower. Yeah, same like, thing. This morning in the shower, I thought about this. But I spend more time on the treadmill than I do in the shower, so I do more thinking there. Well, so. good for you because yeah. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I'm thinking about. Uh, I've got a place at Lake Norman. I live in Asheville. It's a two-hour drive. I always like get you know a way to get down there. I thought if I, I've always wanted to fly helicopters. I've just always wanted to do that. You know, I think maybe one day, maybe one, and then finally I went. You know what? <laughs> if I'm gonna do it, I need to do it now. I'm yeah. not getting any younger. <laughs> and. Uh, so I, I found a guy to train me to, to learn to fly helicopters, and then I bought one. And he finished training me in that. And How long have you been doing that? That was in 08. Okay. 07, 08. Okay. That was in 08. It has turned into one of the best things I've ever done, most rewarding thing. Just to fly hel- you know, fly helicopter. I've got a couple thousand hours in them now. Wow. And, uh, and so then that transitioned into airplanes. Uh, I wanted to get an airplane so I could get not get on these – you know, airlines every I have to week. Pick commercial. Yeah, I was tired of that, and so. So you fly yourself. So yep. yep. So, I, so I, I sold the helicopter I had. I bought it from Greg Biffle. I sold it, and then I bought another helicopter and an airplane, and uh, a little a single engine Mooney. Mm-hmm. Learned how to fly that, and then I started flying that thing to all the races, and then I bought a twin. I've got a, actually a twin Cessna now, so I've got two airplanes and a helicopter. It, and now I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> you got to figure that one out. So yeah, I've got. I probably have to reduce my fleet a little bit, but uh, I really enjoy that. As long as you keep something that'll get you to Florida, you, yeah. you can fly one of those to Florida. I yeah. assume. Yeah. Yeah, I usually fly the Mooney because it's cheap. Yeah. You can actually fly it to Florida cheaper than you can drive the Suburban. Yeah. yeah. I know. I was laughing because um, Dale Dale uh, uh, just invested in a new plane. He's had the same plane prior to that forever and a day. And he was just talking about time frames and what yeah. he was doing, mm-hmm. you know. And, um, you know, well, I mean, one day, I don't know, you know, if I own an aircraft. And I, and I don't think that he realizes, you know, just the breadth of aircraft out there, you know, yeah. and what, what you can do for – I mean, it's not cheap. But yeah, it's, it's certainly it's not crazy. on the scale. No, it's crazy. You know, you know the, uh, w- w- when I, I was a team owner, I had a King Air, and I wasn't a pilot. I hired one and yeah. had a great pilot, Jeff Hartman, that flew us everywhere. Um, and that wasn't the time for me to be flying because I needed my focus on the race team. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, when I yeah, I started flying myself, and I really I take it very seriously. I, I treat it like a profession. Mm-hmm. And so I train, and I, you know, I take it very, very seriously. And I, I actually flew with Dale and his jet, Dale Jarrett. We were working together, obviously. Mm-hmm. So we were flying uh, together, and I flew as a co-pilot for him on his jet. And then he, at the end of the season last year, he sold it because yeah. he was going to do something different. So yeah, he sells his, his pilot, jet. Eric, is now yeah. our pilot. So. Yep. yep. So he sells that jet and sells quicker than he thought, right? <laughs> so we still got a handful of races left last year. And so he starts flying everywhere with me with in my you? Mooney. Yeah, <laughs> in a little single Mooney. It was crazy. Went all the way to Kansas City yeah, with me yeah. and back. Oh, I'll, gosh. Yeah. Do you have to stop to get no, to Kansas? No, actually, you we can, can take that Mooney on stop to Kansas. Yeah. yeah. So is that kind of like a six, 7,000? Like, is it pressurized or not? No, that particular airplane is not. Not, yeah. No. Uh, L-Dub's dad has uh, Aerostar, and so yep. we fly it to Pennsylvania. Yeah, that's and, a great uh, airplane too. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. It is. And it's not pressurized, I don't think. No, so we fly yeah. like seven, eight thousand feet. Yeah, and I've got that twin Cessna. It's a three forty. It's it is pressurized, so you can get it up in the, you know, eighteen, twenty thousand yeah. foot range. 
pretty cool. Yeah, I took uh, Johnny and all of her friends uh, after they graduated to the Bahamas for their graduation trip. Really? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. We had a ball, yeah. That's cool. How many, how many does the Cessna? It'll hold six, eat? but we took her and two of her friends and uh, Patty and I, so it's five total. Yeah. And it's a good thing we didn't take six because we didn't have room for any more. I was going to say all, uh, Yeah. Travel with, with four women. That's what happens to us on the Aerostar <laughs> when we're going to Pennsylvania. Yeah. It's like you got to think about, you know, the amount of people for one, but then the luggage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So women. ask, ask Dale Jr. If, uh, if he wants to fly with me in the Mooney to one of these races, if he wants to see how the poor people do it. Well, <laughs> see how he might do it one yeah, day? Yeah. <laughs> no, he'll never do it that way. The budgetary conscience <laughs> he's going to be. No, he might. It's, you yeah. know, you never know. All right. Well, this has been fun. You got any? Uh, you got one last Earnhardt story to sign off with? Anything pop in mind? Uh, not was, really. Uh, um, you know. It was just that I really look back on the uh, the time I had with Dale. Is it really changed my life because of the things that we were able to do. I thought about it. Actually, driving down here, I was thinking about how just the fact that I got offered that job and the opportunity to be his crew chief was like hitting the lottery for me. <laughs> I mean, it was, if you look at it, because of the things that it opened up for, for me later in life and where I am today. I mean, the yeah. TV side wouldn't have happened had I not had the relationship with Dale and the right. success. Uh, the, I don't even think the ownership part would have been able to happen because I wouldn't have been able to attract sponsors as an yeah. owner without that success. So there's a lot of things that were, were key to that relationship and uh and I'll always cherish it and uh you know, even today I still miss him terribly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we do too. I was just uh, uh obviously little things just make me think about him, but the whole Kansas City Royal and Ned Yost, you know, and yep. and uh, I sent a note to him yesterday and was like, you know, congrats on the World Series but even cooler, just thanks for sharing the stories. Because yeah. even today, you know. He, he, you know, that's what I love about Ned. He he was a part of the team. I mean, in 90, what was it, 94? Yeah. He was with us for quite a few races. Yeah. And, uh, and he was, you know, he was a big part of our family. Yeah. And I'm and I, I was thinking about what I'm going to, I'm going to text uh, or send Ned a, a, a note here about yeah. congratulating him for what he's done. Tremendous accomplishment. Yeah. Congratulations on the World Series. But yeah. I, I can think of what I'm going to tell him is that. I know that if Dale was still here, you'd see that big mustache grow big <laughs> and wide because when they won that thing, it was. Uh, That's what I said. Really I said, I know you were a great friend of my dad's, and I'm pretty sure he's probably smiling. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. Well, thank you for coming to join me. Well, I hope everybody's me. enjoyed this, and I okay. appreciate you coming down from a couple hours away from home and um, sharing, sharing this with me and my listeners. All right, it's time now for our tip of the week brought to you by Wella Professionals. Today, we are going to learn how to complete an undo updo. All right, so we're going to apply the I Me Dry Me Dry Shampoo on your dry hair. This is going to give your hair a matte texture so that it's easy to handle for an updo. Now, that makes a lot of sense to me, Amanda, because if I go to the salon and get an updo, they're always, they want you to come with dirty hair and they spray yeah. stuff and make your hair. And I always get yelled at because yeah. I always wash. I can't I help it. I don't know hair. what it is. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we're going to we're gonna use the, the I Me Dry Me Dry Shampoo and get give your hair that matte texture. Then we're going to tease the hair at the roots with your fingers to ensure the product is evenly applied. Then section your hair in top and bottom sections from ear to ear. Gather the bottom area and back comb it lightly with your fingers. Twist the hair in a loose bun and pin it. Loosen the hair slightly to get a more messy feeling. Take the top section and back comb that with your fingers lightly. Then you're going to attach the front section to the back section around the knot, securing with pins. We're going to finish it with our fingers, and then we're going to use the I Me Stay Styled Hairspray for a great hold. 
You can purchase these or any Wella Professionals products at any of the 782 Ulta stores nationwide or purchase online at Ulta.com. Well, thank you for joining us for this week's Vaseline Family and hope you'll tune in next time. Vaseline Family has been brought to you by Wella Professional Hair Care, multi-sensorial hair care products that you will see, touch, and sense the difference from your very first wash. Hair care needs from fine to normal to color to coarse, Wella's got you covered. Wella Professional Hair Care products are available at over 780 Ulta stores nationwide. Visit Ulta.com to find the store nearest you. Thanks for listening to Dirty Mo' Radio. 